It's a great day, isn't it? You like the rain? I do too, except it makes my hair just turn out frizzy and stuff like that. This morning, as we uh, go to God's Word, I, I just want to tell you and kind of confess to you that we're going to be talking about prayer, and I don't consider myself in any way, shape, or form uh, the perfect, ideal uh, pastor of prayer, that I need to grow much in this, and that I need to, uh, both uh, in my own time away as well as throughout the day, uh, identify my own need to go to God in prayer about the issues both in my life as well as the life of the church. This morning, we're going to talk about prayer, and um, I really believe this passage has some thoughts that will help uh, start our own heart going and how we should pray and really our need to pray. So if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd love to read to you verses 2 through 6. And this morning we're going to look at verses 2 through 4 in our time. It says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in, in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely, Toward outsiders, making the best of use of the time, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And God, thank you for the opportunity to be before your word. I ask that even as we look at this passage, that you would open our hearts to your word, that we would have a free access to what you want to do, and that you would work in us in a way that we could not do ourselves. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage, as it talks about uh, what a prayer, as you think back to our study in the book of Colossians, it's about Jesus. It's about how great he is and how superior he is to all other options that we have in life. And we have tried other options, haven't we? Have you tried other options? Have you tried other paths that didn't work out so well for you? Uh, we think about that, and as we look at Colossians, we may say to ourselves, we want Jesus, we want Jesus. But what I want to tell you is, as we want Jesus, as we uh, trust in Him, He will change our lives. And this is one of the points of that, is that we now, because of our relationship with Christ, we will be in conversation with him and we'll be bringing our wants, desires, our needs before him. And that will be in the form of prayer. We look at verse two. And if you remember the last few four, four or five weeks, we've been talking about the difference that Christ makes, that as you come into relationship with Christ, that's going to impact your marriage, right? Right? It will impact your marriage. And, and you say, yeah, we'll have a perfect marriage as I come to know Christ. And there will be no problems. And there, no, that's not true, is it? By testimony, don't nod your head so quickly. Some of you are going, oh, no, that's not true at all. Uh, no, it is difficult. But what, what we're talking about here is that as we have a relationship with Christ, 
that he will impact our hearts and we will be able to deal with our spouse that's hard to deal with. Okay? Can I get an amen? My son said amen. I don't know what that means. Uh, so yeah, so, so this is what's going to happen is this relationship will impact this relationship. And what that is, it's husband and wife, that that's what God will do. But it'll also, it goes on to talk about uh, parents and children. And it starts with children. And it says, children, you know, because of your relationship with Christ, as a child has a relationship with Christ, they're, a, they're able to deal with their obnoxious parents, their parents that are raising them wrong, their parents that are unreasonable. Can I get an amen? Some of you kids, that was your opportunity to throw your parents under the bus and you weren't paying attention. But also, uh, parents, parents, as you come to know Christ and as you even go through the teenage years, even if your kids are in middle school, that God, because of his relationship with you, he will give you what you need to be the parent that he desires for you. It talks about last week, we talked about masters and slaves and how even in the midst of your working relationships, whether you're a boss or whether you're a slave or, or you're working in whatever situation, your relationship with Christ will impact that. And now it turns to something personal of your communication with Christ. With your communication, your call upon Him to be a part of your life. And as we've talked about many times before, it's the picture of walking with Jesus. Is that He doesn't come... And, and this is very important for us to understand this morning. And it's really about our relationship with Christ when you hear the gospel and you hear that he's going to save you from your sins and give you a place in heaven, that sounds good, doesn't it? And, and there's a sense in which when God is working in your life and you understand that message and, and, and you're, you're rejoicing and you accept it, you're saying, he saved me. But many of us, as we go past that day, we say, well, he saved me back there, but he's not really intimately involved in anything before heaven that he doesn't really deal with these days in between. And yet the Bible is clear that that's not true, that he does save us for eternity, but he also saves us in that we will walk with him. And this is what Paul is getting at as he comes to verse 2. He says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. This idea of the steadfast prayer is the idea of continually busying yourself in a habit, in something that you cannot get rid of. It's just something that's part of the fabric of your life, that you are a person in communion and conversation in relationship in prayer. That's what it's calling us to be. It says to continue, assuming that it's already been, been happening, steadfastly the idea of continuing on making it the the part of the thing that you don't won't go without how many of you are coffee drinkers here this morning you know the true ones are like yeah yeah he's calling my name he's calling my yeah this is something exciting you know and and there's a sense in which when you wake up in the morning uh you you get out of bed and and you, you're looking for a cup of coffee aren't you 
you're looking for a cup of coffee. And if you don't get it, uh, there's a sense in which you could go out, and I, I know that some of you go to the coffee shop, and, and they're like, good morning, you're like, coffee. Well, how can I help coffee? And I, I, I can't really move on before, it co- because it's something that is part of my day. It's something that I won't go without. Coffee. Some of you are like, oh, that's terrible. I can't believe it. Dr. Pepper. Yeah. You get that at six o'clock in the morning. It's very rough. Anyways, but um, and some of you are saying, well, that's not me. That's ridiculous. I, there are plenty of things that I can do. Well, how about exercise? Some of you love to run and you, you say, boy, I need to get out for a, a good run. And, and maybe someone will see you later in the day and you'll say, well, how's your day going? Oh, not very good. Why? I didn't get time for my run this morning. And those of us who don't exercise that much, we kind of look at you like, what? I'm good. Like, that seems like a good, I don't know, you know. Uh, the point here is this, whatever, whatever it is, it's the, what he's doing with prayer is he's saying, this is a permanent place in your life. This is something you will not go without. Something that is part of who you are. It, it, it's part of the, the, really the, it's like breathing for you. You can't go without it. This is the way we should be about prayer. This is the way we should be about talking with him. Sometimes we think of prayer as a set-aside time where we just focus with him and we, we talk over the issues of life. And yeah, I think it's talking about that. But I also think it's talking about everything in the midst of your day as things come up, as you struggle in conversation, as you're at work and you struggle with a difficult um, interaction that you must have or you uh, have an opportunity to meet somebody. It's it's praying about all these things. It's as, as you're disciplining your kids and as you're uh, going about putting priorities to your home and as you uh, get the unexpected opportunity of a phone call. It's, it's all these things. And it's that we would be habitually connected to Christ in prayer, that we would be bringing the issues of life before him. So that's what we're supposed to do. But it says being watchful, and really this is where I get the, my first point, is post a guard, post a guard. Now, you know what a guard is for, right? You have a guard shack. What are they supposed to be doing? Making sure, right? They're guarding. They're making sure the right people come in and out. If you are uh, supposed to, and you're in the military, and you're protecting an area, and you say, hey, you're supposed to watch over this area, for the next seven hours. Can you imagine yourself uh, maybe doing that? You're on a post or you have a section where they say, hey, we need you to watch this section. And, you know, it, it sounds pretty exciting. They put, they put you know, in control of something. You say, you are critical. We need this. And, and there's a sense in which um, it might be exciting when you first get out there and you're like, okay, I know I'm responsible for this section here, and I got to watch. And so you're you're marching back and forth, and you're watching. And it's maybe dark at night, and you're, you're watching, and, and there's nothing going on. There's nothing going on, and you you make a few laps back and forth, and and there's really nothing going on. And then all of a sudden, you hear something in the bushes. You pull your gun, and it's a squirrel cruising along there, and you're like, oh man. And then you finally go back to kind of the home area. He says, I'm just going to sit down for about 20 minutes, you know. 
Sit down for 20 minutes. Is that, nothing's happened. I've been kind of cruising back and forth here, and the only uh, one that was going to attack was that squirrel, and so I think we're okay. So I'll just sit down for about 20 minutes, and then I'll make a few more laps, and I'll be fine. And so you sit down for 20 minutes, and 20 minutes turns into a half hour, and a half hour quickly gets to 45 minutes. And you say, well, I better, I better just take a look again. So you, you do you know, one lap back and forth, and you don't even find the squirrel anymore. And you're saying, boy, this is somewhat ridiculous. You know, I, I need to sit down. So you say, oh, forget it. I'm going to go sit down. And you fall asleep. You fall asleep. You know, it's fine if you fall asleep if there's no danger, right? It's fine if you fall asleep if nothing happens. But what if? What if? In this passage, it says uh, we're to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful, being watchful. And the idea of being watchful is that there is a sense of danger, a sense of danger. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you feel like you are personally in danger right now? Right now, this minute, do you feel personally in danger? And I'm not talking about like some bad guy coming in and uh, uh, to the church and guns and stuff. But I'm, I'm talking about, are you spiritually in danger right now? I want to be honest with you and, and as I go over this passage. I rarely feel like I'm in spiritual danger. I mean, we're in Tehachapi, right? It's not like we're in the Middle East, Kevin. You know, this isn't a dangerous place spiritually. It's not like we're in the middle of some tribe in Africa or we're in, you know, one of those uh, volatile countries in Asia. You know, What is the spiritual danger here? We're in Tehachapi for crying out loud. We're like a red county or something like that, right? In California, we're as good as it gets. But, but how, how, you know, what, what do we do? Are we in spiritual danger? I usually don't uh, do too much um, cross-referencing, but if you turn over with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, I want to share with you the, the reality right now, that what's happening right now for you spiritually. This is, this is the reality we live in all the time, okay? All the time. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. This is what it says. Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. It's the idea of not letting your mind go and just taking off, but be focused. Be sober-minded. Be watchful, okay? It's a similar idea as we have in the passage that we're looking at. Be watchful. Why are we to be watchful? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This is the spiritual reality that we live in all the time. Hoping to go to the San Diego Zoo this week, okay? And maybe I'll bring back a lion, a real one, a real one. And next week, we'll bring the lion in here and we'll just let it loose. Just let it loose. That'd be an exciting day in church. Huh? I've heard the day the squirrel went to church, but the day the lion went to church would be more exciting. And you, you know what's interesting about lions? I, I've gone to quite a few zoos in the past. Lions, they're always sleeping. You know, they're just there. 
they're just kind of laying there, and they're kind of big and floppy, and they're just kind of out there like this. And every once in a while, once in a while, you'll see a lion just kind of cruising around, right? It's kind of moving around like this, just kind of... Uh, and, and if you'd never seen that TV show, if you'd never seen that episode about lions and how they hunt, you might look at a lion and go, Oh, how cute! A, a fluffy lion! They look so nice. I'd like to go and pet the lion. Which is fine if the lion isn't hungry and they're not seeking someone to devour. It's fine if you sleep, if, if the lion's not uh, dangerous at all. But, it sa- but, but First Peter tells us that the reason to be watchful is because the spiritual reality that's always going on around us is that the lion, the devil, your adversary, is prowling around seeking someone to devour. You see, that, that's the reason we are to be watchful. There, there's a reality that, that we need to embrace is that we are at risk. We are at risk. Some of us have walked with the, the, the Savior a long time and we go, oh, I'm not at risk. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. It doesn't have a sense in which you get past the risk stage. It's that we should be devoted to prayer, being watchful in prayer, because our, our enemy our enemy is out there. And if we need to be careful, we need to be careful about the way we're living. You see, it gives this picture, as with someone posting a guard, is that they're looking out. They're, they're, they're careful to see what's going on. They're, they're, they're protecting their life and the lives of the ones they love. And they're constantly being watchful, knowing, knowing that if they fall asleep, if they fall asleep, they will be in danger. You see, that's probably the danger for us, isn't it? It's the subtle attack of the enemy that says nothing's going on. Nothing's going on. You know, if uh, if something big's going on in your life, don't don't you prepare for it? You have a surgery coming up, and 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 you're nervous about it. And if you walk with Christ, there's a sense of spiritual preparation for that that you know it's coming, and you're like. You know, I really, I really need to pray. I really need to read my Bible. I need to be close to Him as I go into that surgery because it's a big deal. If there's something coming up that's on your calendar that you say, I know that this is a big deal, so I, I need to prepare myself. But what this is talking about is not the idea of preparing yourself for some big day in the future, but being watchful today, being ready today knowing that we are at risk of the subtle falling asleep. Sometimes we say, well, is it all that important to pray today? There's nothing going on. It's my day off. You know, I don't have anything on my calendar. I look at my day and there's nothing really going on. That's uh, the danger for us that we forget to be watchful. To be watchful. What's the picture here? The picture here is this, that as we pray, as we pray, we're guarding our own heart. We're watching over. We're, 
you know, let me be honest with you, folks. The danger, the danger for you to be watchful is not that you'd be worried about what else is going on in everybody else's life and going, you know what, you got some problems going on there. But being watchful of your own heart and the hearts of your loved ones and your family, of going over them and saying, God, I pray for them. I'm fearful of this attitude. I'm fearful of this danger to their own soul. So to be watchful. He describes this steadfast prayer uh, as being one that we're habitually a part of. And as we are a part of that, being watchful. But he also says this one thing. He says this in thanksgiving. Look at it again with me. In verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. As you think through, and this is a common theme of Colossians, it goes over and over and over, I guess. Uh, Again, in this, in, in the midst of everything it's talking about with Christ, it says, be thankful, thanksgiving. It inserts it over and over again. And I want to point out something that, and I, you can't really talk about what's not in Scripture, but it's interesting to think what's not in Scripture right here. It doesn't say, it doesn't in this passage say, uh, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with grouchiness. It doesn't say that. Or with complaining. It doesn't say either one of those things. It says thanksgiving. Now what's difficult about that, and I want to be honest with you, and if I wasn't, my family could stand and testify that um, many days I'm grouchy. Many days, you know, you can term some of these things kind of all go together. Grouchiness, negative, depressed, ill-tempered. I have a bad attitude today. And as we pray, it says that we are to pray in thanksgiving. And, and what's hard about all this is you say, well, this is the way I feel. This, this is what, my, who, who I, what I feel like, but I'm supposed to pray in thanksgiving. And I want to I tell you, and, and sometimes you feel alone in this, Every one of us, every one of us is prone. The, the natural position for us, okay? The, the place where we naturally fall to is being grouchy, negative, depressed, bad-tempered, bad attitude. That's our natural position, okay? That, that's where we're prone to. And as I share that with you, you you're going, so how, you know, I'm not getting it. <laughs> I'm going to get it. So we're supposed to pray, but we're supposed to pray in thanksgiving. Kevin, you may not know what's going on in my life. Maybe there's some health concerns in your life. Some things that you've been going to the doctor about. and uh, Sometimes you're frustrated because the doctor diagnoses you. And it's not a good diagnosis. It doesn't look good for the future. Other times we're frustrated because we don't get a diagnosis. We take tests and tests and tests and they're you know, practicing medicine on us and they can't come up with the right answer. You say, well, how? How does this work? How will I continue on? 
You're focused about health. Maybe, maybe for you, maybe it's the money struggles. You're struggling with finances. And you say, I, I realize that I'm supposed to be thankful, but how can I be thankful when I got all these money problems? It burdens me. It, it, it wakes me up at night. It keeps me awake. It, 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 it's, I struggle with this over and over again. Maybe for you, um, it's your relationship with your spouse. You, you desire to have a good marriage, and yet, what, for whatever reason, the selfishness and pride, and, and you don't like what she does, and she doesn't like what you do, and... Uh, when you try to do something right, it's the wrong thing and vice versa. And you want to do one thing and she wants to do the other. And it's just this constant conflict over and over again. And you say, well, what am I supposed to be thankful for? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your kids. You know, it was easy and simple. You were just changing diapers and, you know, feeding. And that was all simple except for, you know, when... The diaper's not on and he shoots one out somewhere. I, it seems so simple and yet now they, they're, they're growing up and they're straying and they're, they're burdened to you. And maybe you even have adult children that are breaking your heart every day. And you say, how can I be thankful for that? How can I be thankful? I want to tell you one thing. Um, what what book are we reading? What, what's the book the the book that we are in right now? Bible. Colossians Bible. I, th- I like that bigger Bible. We're in the specific book of Colossians. Give me another uh, Sunday school answer. What's the book of Colossians about? Jesus. Okay. Okay. There's just one thing. There's just one thing. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with Him, there is one thing, there is one thing that everyone can be thankful for if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's one thing. It's not dependent upon your kids. It's not dependent upon your spouse. It's not dependent upon your money. It's not dependent upon your health. It's not dependent upon the weather, the economy, the anything. Insert your own favorite thing that you worry about or get depressed about. One thing. That's what Jesus did on the cross for you. You see, that's where thanksgiving comes from. It is not about the other things because the other things come and go. You can have incredible heartache here on the face of this earth. Your child could pass away. Your spouse could pass away. There could be awful illness in your home. There could be a loss of income and all the resources that you have. There could be a, a loss of health where you struggle uh, with just living each day. But the one thing that you can be thankful for all the time is your relationship with Christ. Because w- what that is, it's Him walking with you now and then after this life, Him taking you to be with Him forever. See, that's the basis of your communion. You're you're communicating with God is that we bring those needs that we have, those things that burden us. We're watchful and we're we're praying over the things that could be a detriment to our own soul and the souls of our loved ones around us. And we're thanking Him for what? Whatever we have to be thankful for. 
And there's definitely at least one thing, right? It's Him. It's our relationship with Him. So we post a guard. We post a guard. We have, in prayer, we are protected. We are protected as we go about communicating with Him. And then in verse 3, it's call for power. Call for power. Paul says this, at the same time, at the same time, what he's doing is he's saying, as you're praying in that way, also pray in this way. Also pray in this way, a different way. He says this, at that time, at at the same time, pray also for us. Pray also for us. Paul is talking about, what I believe he's talking about, is those who are preachers, those who are proclaiming. Obviously for him, he was an apostle. But pray for us as we go and share the word. But I want to tell you that this, uh, the idea of prayer, um, this calling for power, I don't believe is just limited to preachers. It's all of us as we share, as we share the good news of the gospel. Here it is. He says this, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. A door for the word. Um, As you think about this, uh, what's the best way, what's the best way to share the gospel? I want you to think about that right in your mind right now. What's the best way to share the gospel? Well, um, the best way, the most effective way to share the gospel is a gospel that's empowered by God at the time. Okay? It's not just information. Okay? And, and what we need to get here is a picture of what Paul is saying. And he, he, he talks about praying for this open door. What is an open door? Paul uses it in different places. I think about the end of the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. He says, um, I'm going to stay on here at Ephesus because a wide open door for effective ministry has been opened to me and there are many adversaries. What is he saying? He's saying, God's doing a work here. God's doing a work here. The enemy's working too, but God's doing a work here. Okay? So what's the best kind of evangelism? The, the, the best way to share the good news of the gospel is sharing it in such a way that the power of God is working in the midst of it. And that's what Paul's asking for prayer for. You, you know, I think about the way we do church here in the morning. Uh, what are we concerned about? Well, we're concerned about the right temperature, right? It's important to have the right temperature. If it's too hot, um, that's no good. People are falling asleep. Is anyone falling asleep right now? Okay, smack anybody around you, okay? It's falling asleep. Anyways, uh, we're concerned about the temperature. We have nice uh, pews that are, are comfortable for the most part. You can even lay down if you got really tired. Uh, we worry about, you know, if there's enough air. We've got the fans going. Sometimes the fans blow the music off. I've seen that. We wor- we're concerned about the music. We're concerned about ushers. We're concerned about all these different things. But, but, but w- what, brings about, what brings about true change in the eyes of God? What's the thing that does the work in the church? You know, I, I prepare. I have some notes here. It's about two pages usually each week. If there's three, you're in trouble. Um, but, you know, I, I prepare notes. Think about what I'm going to say. We, we prepare these things. But, but really, if God is not involved 
in the, in the proclamation of this message, it's for nothing. It's for nothing. And so what Paul's praying for is that as, as he preaches, as he goes about, he's praying for an open door. And there's really two ways to uh, understand the open door, and I think both are in view here, is this. First of all, Paul prayed for, to go to certain cities and to talk to certain groups of people. He prayed that God would not, uh, um, that there would be a sense that he could get there, that there would, he would, God would go before him and his travels. And we should pray that, I think, of Sam and his desire to go to Uganda. That's the kind of prayer that God would prepare the way, go before him, and that as he goes, he would prepare uh, that place for Sam. But it's also a sense of the own individual heart, Right? It's not just that we would get to be in a venue and be able to share the message, but as the message hits the ears of people, that it would not just hit the ears and go in the intellect and bounce around a little bit in the brain, but that it would find an open heart of good soil, that it would take residence in there and change them just as we have been reading. You see, that's what Paul's praying for an open door for the word. He says, he talks about this open door, um, this place being a venue uh, uh, ready and prepared by God so that he could declare the mystery of Christ, the mystery of Christ. I think that sometimes we hear the idea of the mystery of Christ and we go, what's the big mystery? I've heard about Jesus over and over again. Uh, I've been raised in the church. I've gone to camps. I I understand who Jesus is. There's no mystery. He is who he is. When I think about what it is that's mysterious about Christ and how that could be referred to the mystery, do you realize that that we don't... My ear's coming off. uh, do Do you realize that we don't grow up thinking that Christ is the only way? In fact... If you'd ask a child that had never been to church uh, and they understand the concept of heaven and you'd ask them, how do you get to heaven? What would they say? Be nice. Be good. Be kind. All those bees. Um, The killer bees, if you will, right? Because those bees don't work, do they? Can't be kind enough. You you can't... you can't be nice enough. You, there's not a sense in which even the, the nicest things that you do are, are are motivated by your own pride and driven. And apart from Jesus Christ and understanding who He is, your answer will be work hard, work hard, be good. Yet the message of the gospel is somewhat mysterious in that it's another way, but it's the only way. Second thing I want to tell you is that you know we we have another way, but it's the wrong way. But out of all the men who have ever lived, all the people who have ever been on the face of this earth, it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. He is the one way to heaven. And so as Paul is considering the preaching of the gospel of Christ. He refers to it as the mystery of Christ. And he says, pray that God would go before us and open the door that they might preach the mystery of Christ. He says something interesting, and he's going to come back to it later in the chapter, but he says this. 
on account of which I am in prison. I'm in prison. Now, why do people go to prison? Why do they get imprisoned? They break laws. And so let's assume I break a law and I get imprisoned. I get imprisoned. Um, and they give me five years in prison. At the end of my time in prison, what is uh, you know, the government's desire for me? It's real simple, that I would have learned my lesson that prison would have been bad enough for me that I would no longer go back to prison. I wouldn't want to do that type of behavior again that I would go back to prison. And yet I look at this passage and the way Paul's talking about prison. Why did Paul go to prison? Preaching the gospel, right? The mystery of Christ. He preached that message and he got imprisoned. We don't know exactly where he is at this time, but most likely he's in a home that he has to pay for, uh, in, chained to a Roman guard, uh, not being able to do what he wants to do. And Paul says, do, let me ask you a question. Do, do you think Paul is saying, yeah, and you don't want to preach that message or you're going to go to prison just like me? No. In fact, the complete opposite. He's saying, you know what? This message is so great. The gospel is so good. And it's so important both for me and the people around me that I'm even willing to be in prison. You know, prison is just the cost of doing business. It's just the way it is. And Paul says, the message, the mystery of Christ is so important that I'm willing to even go to prison. That's the cost of it. I'm not trying, as we go over this, I don't think this is a guilt trip. I don't think this is a guilt trip Paul is playing. He's talking about the greatness of the gospel. He says, it's even worth prison. It's even worth prison. I don't know any of us here today that have been in prison for our faith. Maybe we've suffered in some degree uh, or another. And yet I want to encourage us all, even if we were in prison for preaching the gospel, it'd be all right. It'd be great. You know why? Because the gospel's worth it. Because that's who Jesus is. That's the greatness of the salvation that he gives. Well, he, as he's praying and he's calling on them to pray, that this gospel that's so worth it, he says this last thing in verse 4, he says this, that I may make it clear, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Have you ever bought something that you really didn't want? Maybe you were at a car dealership or something. You're just looking around. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're driving in something. You're, you're, you're taking a test drive, and it smells really nice. And the guy's talking, and he's talking about how good you'll look in this and how great, you, you know, and you know you want it. And, he, and he's talking, and he's talking a lot faster, and he's pointing at things, and you don't know, and he's drawing four boxes, and your payment will be this, and your trade-in will be this, and you, you get all confused. And then all of a sudden, he says, so, so, so you want to do it, right? And you, you're like, well, I guess I do after you said all that. And, and then he says, how would you like to take care of this? Uh, uh, cash, check, or credit card? And you go, well, Yes, credit card. And then all of a sudden, you're like, why did I buy this? Maybe it wasn't a car for you. Maybe it was, uh, you know, something door to door someone sold you. You got, bought a vacuum cleaner or something like that. And all of a sudden, you're like, why have I wasted my money and stuff on this vacuum cleaner? I don't need it. Some people treat the gospel like that. The gospel like that. And I find it interesting that the way to share the gospel, the thing that Paul was praying for, 
is that he would share it in a certain way. And what was that way? A clear way. A clear way. That he'd be able to lay out the gospel clearly in front of them. He'd be able to explain what it costs and how it works and, and who he is and, and, and the nuances about it in a slow, uh, patient fashion. That at the end of the day, Paul would be able to walk away from the gospel and say, it's here for you if you desire it. You know, that's the way we want the gospel to pre- be presented, right? In a clear way. Because there's nothing to hide about Jesus, right? There's no sense of like it costs too much or there's regrets down the road or any of those things. It's there for you. And Paul's desire was that he would present it clearly, which is the way he should. This morning, if you uh, understand why we're here, uh, this may be a refresher for you. But Jesus died that sinners might live. That's the reason he went to the cross to pay the penalty. We've sang about it this morning. This morning as you come in, uh, this may be news to you, but you are a sinner. Uh, Don't worry, you're in good company. We all are sinners here today. And that apart from Christ, we live in our sins and we'll die in our sins and we'll pay for our sins for eternity. This morning, uh, if you haven't already, you could place your trust in Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross will be sufficient for you for eternity that he will bring you to a place of salvation that you'll be with him for eternity as well as he will walk with you here on this earth he will live his he as you live your life that he will be with you guiding you protecting you counseling you until you die and then you will go be to be with him for eternity this morning i want to give you three things that you can end your time with here as we've looked at uh, God's Word. The first thing is this, that life is dangerous. Life is dangerous. There's not a day that goes by that you're not spiritually at risk and that there are things going on in your life. If you give in to them, they will ruin you. They will ruin your family. There will be things to be protected against. And so we pray, asking that God would protect us Second thing I want to tell you is this, that we are powerless. Why are we praying about these things? Why are we praying about the issues of our life? Because we are powerless. This isn't something we can do on our own. Why are we praying about the sharing of the gospel that God would go before us? Because we are powerless. Even if we know the message of Jesus, apart from Him applying that to the hearts of men and women, it will be for nothing. And lastly, I want to tell you this, that the good news of Jesus is most important. It's most important. That as as you go about your day, both for you personally, the family that you have around you, as well as the lost people all around you, the good news of Jesus is most important. This morning as we uh, look at God's Word, I hope that this is a reminder for us that prayer should be a habit, a part of our life, that we're bringing these issues before Him because of our own needs. Let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for the opportunity of being before your word. I ask that uh, even as I've shared uh, from your word, where it says that this power uh, is called in, it's, it's something that you do. 
that as you go before us and as you open doors, uh, God, your message is effective. God, I pray that that would happen here this morning. I pray that if there are any here this morning that don't know you, that they would trust in Christ even now. God, thank you uh, for walking with us, that you don't save us to abandon us, but you save us to be with you in relationship forever. God, thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.